Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. So yeah, it's Monday for us and we both had busy weekends. I was actually in Vegas for a friend's bachelorette, which is is always fun. Plenty of stories and and good times for the bachelorette. You were you went back to the valley, right? Oh, yeah. oh how hot was it? We were kind of like up in the hills, so there was a lot of wind. Oh, so like okay. it was warm, but it wasn't horrible. Like it could have been worse, I think, but because it was windy like that. And I think like Saturday kind of hot but i don't know i feel like thursday and friday of last week were worse oh yeah yeah yeah. so it was it's just humid here that's what it was because yeah yeah in vegas friday was not too bad i think by the time i got there it was like 109 but then saturday was a lot like it was already like 116 120 at like 10 a.m Oof. yeah so but i mean you're inside you're not like super outside see that's what gets me because i don't like the air conditioning Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, when it's that hot, then everywhere you go, it's full blast, and and I feel like I need to wear long sleeves. It was so crazy because it was, like, there was a dust storm. Like, it was so intense. We were super high. We were, like, on the 61st floor, and we were, like, all getting done, getting ready, getting done, getting ready. And we just heard, like, someone was vacuuming, and it's, like, 9 o'clock at night. And you're like, who's vacuuming? And, like, you go to open the balcony for something, and it's just, like, like, all this wind and... Our hair and our lashes were like, ah. Um, so then, yeah, there was a dust bowl warning. That's, like, what it said, like, on my phone. Like, I got an alert. And it was, I've like. I've never even. Yeah, I was, like, wait, what? I mean, I this dealt with, like, real? monsoons in Arizona, but I didn't. Dust, yeah, it was, oof. like, dust. I kept saying dust bowl. That was a historical event. <laughs> I was, like, did dust it really say storm. dust bowl? <laughs> dust storm warning. And then, like, a couple hours after that, it was, like. Like thunderstorms, but like it didn't Ooh. rain at all. It was really weird. Vegas is always really awful. weird, but everybody survived and and we're back and now it's Monday. You're in one piece. I am in one piece, but yeah. So today we wanted to just kind of do a short pod on consent because we had seen some activity on the Facebook group talking like real specific because I know we've talked about consent before but we're kind of going to get into the intricacies and like procedural things yes and we'll obviously because we are in California we're going to talk to a certain extent about how California plays it because not all states are the same with regards to consent Mm -hmm. so in under the IDEA you know parents traditionally consent to the IEP, you may have heard things like you can consent in fuller and part or you don't have to consent. We're going to kind of break down those things. But I want to kind of do a disclaimer that in California, we are in a consent state. Not all states are consent states. So what that means is a school district cannot implement anything until the parent consents. It needs to be in writing. They need to provide that specific consent to that IEP before they can start anything start working on a goal, start, change the placement. Anything they don't consent to, it is, falls back into stay put, and we'll go over that. But in other states where they're not in consent states, 
What that means is that the school district can implement it without your consent. So you go to an IEP, they make an offer of FAPE, and then it gets implemented right away. Unless mm -hmm. you specifically say, I do not consent. So you need to have that mm -hmm. affirmative, I do mm -hmm. not consent to this part or this thing. Otherwise, they are full within their rights to start implementing it. In California, they can't do that. So we often get the school districts that put a lot of pressure on the families that say, you have to sign it today or, you know, you have to sign it within 10 days because we can't implement anything until mm -hmm. it gets started. Well, that's that's something that they should never be putting pressure on you to sign anything. And also a lot of parents were like, well, well, then they can't implement things. But at the end of the day, unless there's a substantial change, like we're changing programs, it's okay if it takes a week because guess what? Everything that's been in the last IEP is going to continue until you consent to the new. Yeah, so a lot of times we want to know, well, what does consent mean? And under the IDEA, it should be like informed consent. So for instance, the parent in their native language or other form or mode of communication is given all the information about what they're going to consent to. To be so able to make a decision. IEP, right. So that's like, let's say, just the IEP meeting and then subsequent like documents that are formed at that meeting or should be formed at that meeting. And then the parent understands it and then agrees in writing. So that's in California where the signature page, so there's a couple different ways. So just in general, one school district on the signature page can have parents' initials, little space for that, and then it says, my initials are indicating that I have consented to this IEP. And then either above or below that is usually what we say is the participation sign-in. So you're always going to sign the participation sign-in. That just means that you were at the IEP. And sometimes it's a separate piece of paper. Most of the time it's within the IEP itself. So we've seen it where it should say at the top, basically that this is the participation page and then you find parent and you sign. When you see that there's a space for the initial and then it says I hereby consent, you signing the initial means that the IEP is consented. Because I've had so many parents say, like, I don't want to sign anything. I'm not going to sign anything. And it's like, right. well, no, you can sign that you were there just so that right. people know just that you were attendance. there. And if you're, like, really, like, weird about it, you can just say attendance in, only. In attendance only. Right. Because there's very few districts that have a separate actual, like, here's the parent participation in subsection B, and then subsection C is where they have here's my signature for consent to this IEP. Right. So there's a couple of different ways that Yeah, some of it. those forms are really tricky. They're kind of confusing because where you sign for attendance, literally, and this is where if your form has the checkbox and then right below it, it has the sign for attendance and there's not an yeah. actual signature, I don't believe you should sign that fully. Like if your form looks like that, you should write attendance only, mm -hmm. only because let's say you go and sign that, What's going to stop anyone from checking a box and saying mm -hmm. that you didn't check it? Mm -hmm. I had that happen to a client. Yeah, and, and I think that's where some of these forms are very confusing, and sometimes it's on purpose. So I actually tell parents, like, it's not just don't do a check, like, do an initial next to it so that they get in the habit of, like, one day if you're just like, this box is checkmarked, I never checkmarked it because I always do my right. initial um, that is helpful like moving forward yeah. um, because all it takes is just one person to like check it and yeah. and that's it and 
it's also important for districts to let parents know that consent is voluntary, right? And that it can be withdrawn. So none of this, like, well, you sign this and then this is it. Like, you can in writing. And we just always say in writing. There's different, like, one example of the law under California and under the federal is that if a parent makes a request for first time, kid doesn't have any special education uh, services, um, and the parent wants to see if they're eligible, even if the parent, the law says this, even if the parent verbally requests, that district person is obligated to help that parent put it in writing. Right. That is one of the few places where something verbal it, by it the parent, matter. like, yeah, kind of kicks into gear an obligation of the district. But we always say put everything in writing because that one district person would be like, that never happened. You know, right. you just, it's right. a proof, right? We're always talking about, I mean, you Well, guys, and the IDEA requires consent to be in writing, too. Right, right. And so that's why it's written in that way where it's like, look, you're a teacher. The parent comes up to you. They go, hey, I want my child to have special education. You have an obligation in that moment to say, okay, I have to help you put this in writing. And right. a lot of districts don't let their employees know that or they're really sneaky about it and the parent you know and, it, and it's not like you telling the parent oh you have to put that in writing goodbye right like no, you literally so have, to, have help to help them, them. Yeah. It's, a, it's an affirmative obligation yeah. so that's why we just say you know with email it's really easy and if you're having to physically write it down always make a copy always right. have that copy time stamped you know by someone or you putting on your copy gave to mrs so-and-so on 8-8-2018 at 2.56, you know, just, it's almost like your little diary. Um, it seems like you already have enough going on. Yeah. But I can't tell you how many times that's helped some parents yeah. that I've filed against. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and going back to that form, so if it is just a little box that you mm-hmm. can check to say you consent, a lot of parents will think that they don't have the ability to explain or, right. you know, partially consent, mm-hmm. right? So what we recommend, uh, if you're going to consent to the entire IEP and you have no concerns, I think it's okay to go ahead and sign or check that box with the initial or whatnot. But for the most part, if there's anything else, that if there's something you requested at the IEP meeting, if there's a concern that you shared, use a separate document. And you are within your right to put on the form C attached. And the reason why I say if you're going to use another form, put on the actual IEP C attached because what will often happen is, let's say you didn't say see attached, but you handed a sheet that says that you consent. Well, the school districts have in their system, whether it's SACE or, or whatnot, where they can say, okay, parent consented, right? So the, the school district gets your little note that says, I consent to this part, but not this part. And then they don't attach it to the actual document, right? So someone sees that it's been consented to, but all they know is that it's been consented to and they don't know these other parts because if it's not attached, they may not go and look for a separate document. I was actually going to say, even before you start talking about that, you don't have to sign the IEP meeting right after the IEP. You know, if you're like, I don't have an extra piece of paper, Amanda, what am I supposed to? No, no, no. We typically say if you have the IEP meeting, and it depends, right? Uh, Amanda and I like to request a lot of the documents that are to be reviewed, a lot of the assessments that are going to be reviewed at least five days before the IEP. There's nothing in the law that says you have any right to it, especially because it's a type of living document where it's supposed to really be created at the IEP. 
But for the most part, it's a form. It's boilerplate. They're just inserting things. And mm-hmm. they're not saying these are the goals. This is how it's going to be. But if they That's get what it to you early, yeah, then you can kind of take some time to review it. And so that's nice. And and even if you get it early, you go to the IEP meeting, sometimes it's nice to just sleep on it. Maybe you have to go yeah. talk to your spouse about it. Well, and even you if you agree to everything yeah. at even the meeting and everything. you think, yeah. oh, this sounds great. I want to start it right away. You know, take it home and read it an hour later. Yeah, even, and sometimes they're like, oh, yeah, we need to make that change. We'll send it to you tonight. And so right. you don't have to sign, you know, and they'll always want to make, well, you know, you can't, nothing will get started if you don't sign it. And it's like, it's okay. I just need to, I just need a day or two to review yeah. it. And yeah. so that's where Amanda's coming in with like additional concerns. You could do that with your spouse um, at home or, you know, just away from the IEP team so that, you know, maybe you type it up. Maybe you don't want it right. in your writing. You type it up and you just put the C attached for, for consent or for signature. Right. right. And and here's where, so what's supposed to happen if you decide I consent to certain things, but I don't consent to others, or let's say you even consent to the whole IEP, but there were a few goal areas that you would have liked to see in goals, but the team didn't include them. So you go and you do your consent letter and you say, I agree to the implementation of the IEP. And we'll talk about that word implementation in a second. But I feel that goals should be created in toileting or feeding or reading fluency, decoding, something like that, right? And you write in the areas that you had requested. What's supposed to happen is a school has two options at that point. They can either make the change to the IEP to what you're requesting, or they need to send you a prior written notice explaining why they're not making that change. So what this does is it creates a record that there was a concern and it wasn't addressed. And here's why it's important. I, at times, will get to the point where I file for due process with a parent. And I explain all the concerns that the parents have had for the last two years. And they've consented to the IEPs. And I will be talking to the director of special education or, you know, someone on the other side, maybe it's their, their attorney. And they'll say, well, parents have consented to all these IEPs. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how, why you're going back. Like maybe the parents relate a concern that they wanted certain area of need met and the school didn't do anything. They didn't add an area of goals. So parent went and got an assessment and got services on their own, right? Maybe they went to their own speech therapist. Um, we got time it gets to the due process. We're asking for reimbursement of, of the cost of those, those services. And the school district tries to make the argument, well, you consented to the IEP. Mm-hmm. Why should we pay for something? Mm-hmm. Why didn't you ask for the district to assess? Mm-hmm. I can then point back to this letter and say, the parent specifically said that they felt decoding was an area of need. Mm-hmm. The district then either didn't send a prior vote notice, so didn't address it at all, right. or sent a prior vote notice and said that they didn't agree. Mm-hmm. So parents' recourse at that point, they're entitled to, to go and seek it on their own. So it's establishing that record because oftentimes the district, if otherwise, they you, can make that argument. You don't remember what happens. Like, and that even too. if you're recording it, like, you're not going to go back and, like, listen to it. And even if you did, the district would be like, well, that was just discussion, but then we moved on, or you agreed, or you said yes, or right. you said no. A good way that I've seen um, one district handle where parent was like, oh, well, I do have a concern with speech and language. And they're like, well, we haven't seen that concern. We'd like to take data over the next two weeks or whatever right. it was, because before we can even talk about this goal that you want, we need a baseline, right? right? And so then now you guys are agreeing, you know, to extend or, you know, at that point I would say, okay, well then we have to have another IEP meeting in three weeks, you know, so that we can discuss that because that's all well and done if it actually gets done, well and said and done. But if you never have a follow-up IEP meeting, 
then you're not really getting anything out of the district right. and you're not holding them accountable. So it's like, if the district wants to do that, which is great, I think that's a good idea right. because the parent could be like, well, he's not, I, I had a parent that was like very insistent for their very small um, child who was in like kindergarten um, to in, on the spectrum. They insisted on a, he looks you in the eye goal. Mm. And that's just one just, we don't need to focus on that because most kindergartners don't look people in the right. eye. But they were very hyper-focused on his, like, abilities or not abilities. And they just felt that that was important. And that district had said, okay, the district really should have said, well, let's see how he starts doing. Because yeah. by the end of the year, he passed all of his goals, but then this parent-created goal, he didn't pass. And the parents were, like, super just upset about it. And it was like... But that is not a realistic type of goal. And right. Like, it might have been an area he wasn't ready to right, work to on that. Right, to even try to explore. Yeah. And, like, if the district was able to get some information about it. And that's great. Like, that's, I'm not a district attorney. But, like, I just right. thought it was very interesting because then parents could only hyper-focus right. on him not passing that one goal. But it was like, but this was a goal that you wanted anyway right. that the district really doesn't even have to work on. Because right. it's not academically related social emotionally he was fine with other peers so he was doing enough content like so it was just you know listen i that that's a very small example i <laughs> see school districts for a living but i'm just pointing out that when you have things in writing and when you have those discussions it could be two separate things because the right. whole iep team could be on the same page and that next year you get one person that wasn't involved and that's a new program specialist and they're it's like their show. And right. you're like, what? Right. That's and then they just said, right. Mm-hmm. And 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 that is really important. It's, I mean, it's important for all purposes, but we often get a lot of questions about consent, not just about the writing, like we were just talking about, put it all in writing, but well, I consented these IEPs all these years. How can I come back and argue that I didn't agree with it? Right. So there's, there's a couple of things there. One is you have the right to withdraw consent at any time. So let's say this is a a very specific example, but I had a parent where a kid um, was having some trouble on the bus, getting up, moving around, very dangerous, right? So the school had come in and they had offered, proposed a harness for him to keep him in the seat. Parents weren't sure, but they said, okay, go ahead, get started. Mm -hmm. Well, the child had a specific condition where he couldn't have his temperature get above a certain level. Oh. Otherwise, he would have a seizure. Oh, no. Being in a restraint caused him stress, caused him to overheat, and that became dangerous. So it became very clear very quickly that that restraint was not safe for him. So parents were well within their right to say, I'm withdrawing consent to the use of this harness on the bus because it is unsafe for my child. Now, the parents could have just decided, you know what? I have a personal belief against restraints and I don't mm-hmm. want to use it. They mm-hmm. still can withdraw consent. Right. So it's up to the school district at that point to either propose an alternative, so maybe an aid on the bus, or if they truly feel that that is necessary, then they need to file for due process to then implement that strategy if and, they want to. And that actually brings up like a lot of the times that we talk about, you know, trial. We have these trial sessions sometimes. So I've gotten involved Um, And another attorney had been involved and they referred the case to us and the child was moving from just a regular school to a non-public school and the child at the public school had a one-to-one aide and moving to the non-public school because there was going to be less kids in the classroom, they were like, look, for the transition, he will have the aide for the first 60 days. 
but then you know we're all agreeing that we're going to revisit this and if he still needs the aid then we'll talk about it then and offer it anew i suppose with the new team and if not it just ends so the parent agreed to that and when i ended up going to the iep meeting with her and the child was doing really great he was at the top of his class and there was just the aid hadn't really been like the aid was still there because for the 60 days the aid was supposed to be there but she almost became like a classroom aid for the mm-hmm. teacher because the child really didn't need it. Right. So of course they had all this data and it's a private, you know, a non-public school is technically a private school. So it wasn't like the district was ganging up on her and using all this data. It was like, oh, these outside people from this private school are also that. The mom was so upset. She's like, we need this aid and and he still needs the aid and I don't trust it. And I was like, but you consented with your prior attorney right. to this trial and we're all here. And this is, you know, you got to be careful with getting what you want to a certain extent, but also realizing the flip side is if it's a trial, it's like automatic, kind of like how you were talking right. about other There's, states yeah. where it's just like you could, you cannot say stay put at that moment in time. Because the IEP had written it, look, he's transitioning to a new school. He will have this aid for 60 days. Yeah. If he needs it, we will continue it. If not, it's yeah. done. And I mean, we could have a whole pod on doing trials, diagnostic trials, whatever you want to call them. But it's, it's really important that the trials are very specific because oftentimes mm-hmm. what happens if we're not clear mm-hmm. on what does it mean for a trial to be successful or unsuccessful, right. then we end that time. And it's very subjective for the district to then be able to say, well, it didn't work or, oh, it's not needed. And then that's when usually the parents get upset, right? Because they have an expectation of something, but it, the expectation was not outlined in the mm-hmm. IEP mm-hmm. or in the designation of the trial. So for instance, what does it mean if the kid is being placed diagnostically in a gen ed setting or another setting than where they were previously? And that diagnostic setting is not going to be stay put. And we're putting in the parameters of what it means for that to be successful for that child to stay in that environment. If we don't put that in place, then the team could just come and say, well, we don't think it's appropriate. So we're going to just end the trial. And there is no stay put at that time. So, or the stay put is the prior placement. So that needs to be very clear. But in terms of, yeah, when you consent to something, you can absolutely withdraw consent. I mean, if it's if it's something that you want, you're probably not going to withdraw consent. And it's not like, oh, well, it was a trial. So I'm going to withdraw my consent right. to have it only be a trial. Right. That doesn't work that way. But it's definitely something that a parent can do if you feel that something is being implemented that you don't approve of. So if they put in a behavior intervention plan, um, or a BIP that you feel is using restraints that you don't think is appropriate, you can, you know, withdraw consent to that bit. And I know there's moments where it's just like, oh my gosh, I want to consent to this one part. So for instance, let's say they're going to start counseling services for the child and the team's really excited and the school psych was there and they want to try to start things as, as quickly as possible. And they're telling you it's Thursday, but we can for sure start this on Monday. And if you want that to actually happen, that's that's okay you can consent to that part but i think you just say because for the most part when you take that iep home and let's say for a couple of days you're just mulling it over what actually ends up happening is you have an iep that has been consented to it was the one from the previous year right 
So that's, and I know Amanda and I have talked about stay put, but that is technically stay put. So if nothing really changed in the IEP other than the child's goals, you know, services were the same and things like that, nothing is really, there is not going to be any harm to your child. It's those situations where they're trying to initiate a change, they're trying to add something or take something away um, that they want you to sign the IEP or things are all things relative you know, oftentimes we've been in in multiple just debates over, okay, well, let's say that the parent consents to goals, the parent consents to the accommodations, but they don't consent to placement. Um, You know, the the placement is is not wrong. Maybe there's safety issues. Maybe um, this is a case of mine right now, the special education classrooms in the basement and your child has spina bifida and there's only one way to get into that classroom and it's through an elevator which he doesn't have access to on his own he doesn't have a key and god forbid if there's an emergency is somebody going to be there that's going to be able to take him up the stairs so you have to think and we've said this multiple times goals drive services services drive placement so if there's something wrong with the placement you know uh, it's in a weird area or you don't like that That's a very hard argument for a parent to win in front of a judge because the judge could say you agreed to the goals and and well I mean there is the services so this is where it's very important for you to be specific in what your concerns are because you can agree to goals and services and still disagree Mm -hmm. with placement true but you have to be clear in why because just because. And this is where the school districts love to play the game if we do go to due process, is they say, well, parents agreed to goals and Mm -hmm. services, and those drove the placement recommendation. However, I can't tell you how many times I've been in an IEP where we're concerned that a more restrictive environment might be proposed. We're going through the goals. The goals are appropriate for Mm -hmm. that child. Mm -hmm. We go through the services. We go through the accommodations. They are appropriate. We Maybe we make a lot of changes, like, through that meeting, and then all of a sudden they say, but we're going to propose this uh, mild mod or mod severe SDC mm-hmm. class, and it's a very restrictive setting. Right. Well, in my mind, when I look at those proposed goals and services, mm-hmm. yeah, of course they can be implemented in the more restrictive setting. But the question is, can they be implemented in a less restrictive setting? So just because you agree to the other things doesn't mean that you would have to agree with the placement because what you have to look at the LRE. You mm-hmm. have to look at are those goals and services able to be implemented in a less restrictive environment where the student may make progress. But that's the thing is you're saying that as an attorney and as a parent, that's why I think it's important for them to know it needs to be very specific because they could say, I don't think they need to be in that most restrictive environment. And we've had school districts, even with advocates present, say, no, this is the only way we can provide these services in this setting. And so at that point, I think what's smart for the parent to do is to say, you know what, I'd like to see both those settings in. I'd like to see whether or not, because we have districts all the time say, oh, well, we can't have, you know, we don't want to pull them out that much. And I mean, it's very rare that a parent ever says, I want less of this individual service or less of this group, but maybe in order to get the placement that you want. And you won't know until you see those two placements. It's, it's easy for us because we've seen it multiple times because we can make them try to provide this. Yeah, no, no, I mean- specific I, I, placements where there's certain things that have to happen because of the, the student- Well, like, sure, and that's, that is a very specific yeah. case. But in most instances, if a lot of times the goals and services can be implemented in a less restrictive setting. But that's why yeah. I'm saying the parent needs to be specific to say, I agree with these goals and I agree with the services, but I believe that they can be implemented 
in and then they can say whatever placement that they want. Like, let's say they want the mild mod versus the mod severe. They right. want gen ed or they want RSP or, you know, whatnot. So you can be very specific. And that kind of goes to making the statement that you agree to implement something, but you don't agree it constitutes faith or okay, free so appropriate public okay, education. Okay, so that's good. That's, so that's where good I was going segue, with this. Yeah, so yeah. in terms of that's kind of where, you know, you go through and you do believe that the goals are somewhat appropriate, or maybe you don't agree that they're appropriate, but you don't want, like the student has already passed all their goals from the previous year because maybe they were very easy, um, but you don't agree that they're giving you challenging goals moving forward. Maybe you have concerns with a decrease in services in, in somewhat, but you don't want certain things to go without, like Vicky made a comparison to an IEP where the new IEP is very similar to the past IEP. So whether or not you consent to the new IEP isn't going to have much of a difference because the past IEP was already consented to and so it's going to continue. But in circumstances where things are changed and you want to make sure that new goals are actually starting, because maybe there are some goals that you like, you can put language that says that you agree to implementing the goals, implementing the services, or implementing the whole IEP, but you don't agree that the offer proposed was appropriate or constitutes a free appropriate public education. Now, the effect that that has immediately is that the school district can implement it just as if you consented to it. However, if there's any question later down the line whether or not you felt that it was appropriate, that's an example that I gave previously where the director came back and said, well, they consented to the IEP all these years, we didn't know. And if you look back in the parents' notes and if you look back in the notes of the IEP, it's very clear parent expressed concerns but they didn't express those concerns on the consent page. And ultimately, a lot of times, that's the only thing that people, you know, people aren't looking at the notes section, right? So you could say it and they could document it in the notes. Mm -hmm. Parents asked for this or parents were concerned about this. But then when it came down to the signature page, you consented to it. So if you go and you do your separate piece of paper and you say, I agree to the implementation of the March 13th, 2017 IEP, but I do not agree that it constitutes a FAPE because, and then you can list out the things that you don't feel. You feel that there should be a social emotional goal. You feel that there should be a decoding goal or a reading fluency goal. And the team disagreed, or you don't agree that the last goals were met, mm -hmm. or you don't agree that the goals are challenging, or you believe that the goals and services can be implemented in a less restrictive environment. So as much information as you can put on that is gonna be better because it's gonna be very clear, these are the terms. And then, you know, it can't come back later and say, oh, well, you consented to all these things, so therefore you can't yeah. come back later. I mean, we have a two-year statute of limitations right. for a reason. You may not know things in the moment <clears throat> that you find out later, or you have a change of heart later. And so that's why you're, you're able to come back to the table, too. And so that's just consent part one. Uh, we'll do a part two because you can consent to evaluations and things like that. And what happens when you don't consent and and the district is, is not just bothering you, but really parents like to know what the next step is. So hopefully that kind of gave you a, a very generalized, um, everything is individualized. So if you have specific questions, you know, let us know because I can't tell you how many times parents, you know, say, oh, I tried to follow this or I tried to do that, but then this happened. Um, different districts do things in different ways. And so this is just kind of a culmination of everything that Amanda and I have experienced thus far. And um, we're giving you what should happen. Right. 
Yeah. At the end of the day, the reason why attorneys in SPED exist mm-hmm. is because the school districts don't always do what they should do. So we're saying you do this, the school district should do X, Y, and Z mm-hmm. as a result. So, but just because they're not doing that, there are recourses, of course, but you know, don't think that it's going to always happen automatically. Yeah. So today you learned, okay, what I can do consent-wise moving forward to an IEP, and we'll talk about um, in the part two, consent to evaluations, special education services, and just initiation of special education in general, and then what happens when you kind of withhold that, at least in California, and some alternative ways that Amanda and I have been dealing with districts um, the last couple of months. Mm-hmm. It's just been like a, a, a trend. So we talked about consent. We we went through you know the important factors of consent. And if you have any information that you want to share about consent issues that you've had, or if maybe you have some tips about consent, feel free to go to our Facebook group and share them. Or you know maybe we can start a conversation about that as well. But We also wanted to remind you before we leave you for this episode that our event is coming up soon, September 13th. Um, Hopefully this airs before then. Yeah. It will. Okay. I just, okay. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll have a URL up purchasing tickets that's available through our Facebook pages and groups. And our website. Our website. So hopefully you guys can join us for those panelists that will be talking about the the bridge between mental health, school, and learning. We'll also have a silent auction, kind of make it a a night out for parents. Um, We'll have a bar and appetizers uh, available as well so that um, it's not all just you kind of sitting listening to some panelists who are very interesting, but you kind of get around and can uh, pick up some fun stuff. Some live um, music. We've got some great sponsors that will be there as well. So it's shaping up to be a pretty good night. So stay tuned. Take a look at our Facebook page and our website for more information. And uh, we will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.